probably one per family. Oh, there's Joel. Hey, good evening, and I'm glad to be here, and uh, I have a message tonight that I entitled, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, and uh, the word ignorant is found in 16 verses, verses in the Bible, three times in the Old Testament, and another 13 times in the New Testament, and Webster's divine, defines ignorance as uh, destitute of knowledge, uninstructed, untaught, unenlightened, unenlightened, unacquainted with, a person is untaught or uninformed. And I'd also like to add ignorant to it. Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. And I like to say in mid-October, my wife and I had an opportunity to go to East Tennessee, to Danridge, Tennessee, and on Lake Douglas, and while we were there, on October 18th, we had the opportunity to go visit Temple Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee. And that Sunday morning, we heard the preaching of Pastor Clarence Sexton, also president and founder of Crown College. It was really a good time for us. And... Uh, one thing he said near the end of his, of his sermon, when he was talking about believers being a witness for Christ in this darkened world, he walked with a limp, and there was a banister in front, and he just kind of leans on the banister, and he just talks to the people about being a witness. And he, as he preached and he's taught, he says, there's not enough, there's not enough warning. People aren't warned enough. And so, since hearing that message that Sunday morning at Temple Baptist Church, I uh, kept thinking about that statement. People don't have enough warning. And that message went over and over in my mind. I would think about Bible words that convey a a warning to us. Words like, Beware, take heed, forsake not, harden not your hearts, many, many more. And it also says study is show yourself approved. So tonight I would like to focus on the words of Apostle Paul found in, in I think it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I think I got the right scriptures. 4, 13 through 18, where he starts out and he says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, them which also sleep in Jesus will not 
will not. Those of will not. Stephen will not. Will not. For we believe that Jesus rose again. Even so, them which are sleeping in Jesus will God bring with him. For this say we unto, unto you by the word of the Lord, that Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord should not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Those words, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, came across my mind. And it was about 3 a.m. in the morning. I woke up thinking about those words. So I got up and made me a, got a piece of typing paper and made me some notes. Anyway, uh, the word, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, this phrase carries a warning about being ignorant on the subject of life and death. These scriptures tell us about the blessed hope we have as a believer in Christ, in our faith of the Redeemer that was sent by God to earth for our redemption. The Apostle Paul is teaching an important doctrine that will strengthen our faith and will be our comfort in our dying days this passage of scripture is often said at funerals to give comfort to the grieving and as a witness to others that they would believe and trust in Christ. And many of the scriptures, I got that chart I gave you, and I want you to look at the chart. It gives you some history, and uh, it shows here I'm going to talk about Apostle Paul. He was arrested in Jerusalem. And then these, where it says, journey to Rome, those epistles there are called the prison epistles. Those are the ones that Paul wrote while he was in prison in Rome. And uh, he, wrote the, he wrote many of these words in, in Philippians. And... Uh, he wrote these words when he was under house arrest, and uh, I want to explain to you that he was under house arrest. He was under arrest in Jerusalem because he was preaching about the resurrection, and uh, and so I'd like to also point out some of the teachings of Paul and uh, about the teachings of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and this was an important part of why he was arrested in Jerusalem. And uh, as you know, uh, there were different sets of religious leaders. There were the Sadducees, and there were the Pharisees. These two major sets, sets of religion. And we hear from the words of Christ in the Gospels. He says, take heed. There's another warning. Take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. That's found in Mark 8.15. Jesus also said in Matthew 16.6, 6, 
Take heed and beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So according to scriptures, the leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. The leaven of the Sadducees is their corrupt doctrines. And uh, the Sadducees denied some of the important biblical doctrines and practices. And uh, the doctrine of the resurrection is in the New Testament as well. You can see it in the Old Testament. And some commentaries say the leaven of Herod was irreligion, sensuality, and corrupt living. And uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herodians were united in their opposition to the claims of Christ. And uh, irreligion is defined as indifference or hostility to religion or lack of religious belief. It's important to us to know the doctrine of the Pharisees. And uh, in Acts 23.8, it says, For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. So he had two different points of view. So you probably heard it said the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. So that's why they're sad, you see. You probably heard that before. So in Acts 23, verse 2, Paul is before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. And uh, he brought before the, before the council. They, they were sought, sought to kill him, but he was rescued, and he was sent before the, the Sanhedrin for preaching about the resurrection in the temple. And then we read in Acts 23, 2, and the high priest, Ananias, commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. You see the contempt they had for Christ and also for Paul. And Ananias was a Sadducee. So Paul's at this council, and if he were to be let go, the Sadducees had conspired. They had 40 people lying in wait to kill him. They were going to kill him. And warning came to Saul. He learned about that plot. And uh, it was conveyed to the Roman centurion. And uh, they moved him in the middle of the night. They appointed 200 soldiers, and they moved him in the middle of the night so that wouldn't happen. And as he's at before the... Sanhedrin, and he perceives what they're going to do. And so he cries out in the council and says, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope of the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. And then when he had said, there rose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. So when Paul says, I am a, a Pharisee, I'm a Pharisee, and yes, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, but the Sadducees didn't. So there was a great decision, dissension. And, uh, and there was a murder plot. The murder plot is explained in Acts 23, verse 12 through, 12 through 15. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together 
and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will not eat until we have slain Paul. Now therefore, would the council signify unto the chief priests and captain that you should bring him down unto you tomorrow, as though ye would inquire something more of him, perfectly concerning him, and we, and or we ever come near, are ready to kill him. So they were ready. They were plotting to kill him. And uh, and uh, I'd like to explain about Paul. As you know, he was formerly known as Saul of Tarsus. But now we read him in the scriptures, his name is, is Paul. And it's believed that Paul was a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, and of the tribe of Benjamin. And if we go back into that history, it is believed that uh, King Saul, he was named after King Saul back in the Old Testament. Saul, the, the, the name that the Gentiles gave him was Paul. It's kind of the Greek name for Saul. So there was a murder plot against him. And in the Bible, this book, it gives us a, a prescription, a prescription for ignorance. And this prescription we have in this book was given by the inspiration of God to the Apostle Paul. And uh, as he was a prisoner, um, in the book of Second Timothy, it's a study that showed that I shall approve unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we have a prescription that the knowledge of the word of God is beneficial for our spiritual health, and this prescription will dispel spiritual ignorance. And we also read in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good, well, all good works. And then we learn in Acts 28, 30 and 31 that, that Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching those things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with confidence and no man forbidding him. It seemed like he had free course while he was at Rome. And it seems like from this scripture that his own hired house, that he was paying for this. And he had free course. People could come, could come and see him and visit him. And even Timothy came to see him. So he, he had uh, free course in, 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 uh, in Rome. And take note of the uh, chart. You see Second Timothy there is one of the prison epistles. And uh, Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians, you've probably heard this many times before, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. 
That talks about the resurrection also. Paul also says in Philippians, which was written from the prison or from the uh, Rome, says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But I live in the flesh, for this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I want not, for I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He would rather been, he'd rather gone to be with Christ, but he suffered great afflictions. And uh, he wrote that from, from Rome. And uh, I did some research, and I wrote, how did Paul die? The Bible does not tell us how Paul died. However, the most common accepted belief comes from the writing of early church historians. Um, it is believed that Paul was beheaded at the order of the Roman Emperor Nero. And uh, he was beheaded shortly after the Rome fire. And this, the, Roman, the Rome fire where about two-thirds of the city was burned it was an event that Nero blamed on Christians. And so I want to give you some Roman history. Nero became emperor of Rome around 54 A.D., you can look that up on that chart. He was 16 years old at the time he became emperor. Kind of shocking. And uh, Nero was the fifth Roman emperor. He was the stepson and heir of Emperor Claudius. It was believed that Claudius, which was Nero's stepfather, was poisoned with poison mushrooms by Nero's mother, Julia Gerbiana, Claudius' wife. She then had Nero proclaimed as emperor at age 16. Nero had his own mother killed because she disapproved of his relationship with Pompeia Sabina. You probably have heard that uh, Nero fiddled Rome burned. You probably heard that saying. Well, the fiddle hadn't been invented yet, but he did play the lyre, like it's like a small harp. He did play, and uh, when Rome burned, Nero was not in Rome. Nero was about thirty miles away, at a seaside resort, and so he probably was there playing his his lyre. lyre. And uh, so it's, it's through rumor and hearsay and some historians who believe that Nero was responsible for the burning of Rome. It has been reported in history that Nero wanted to tear down a large section of Rome around the stadiums where the gladiators fought. And uh, he wanted to tear this down. It's kind of, well, it sounds like it was kind of a, slum area. He wanted to tear all this down and he wanted to build a series of palaces and he wanted to call it Neolopolis. But the Roman Senate would not approve it. 
And uh, so they think that was a motive for him having the Rome set on fire. And then he blamed it on the Christians. And then as I believe that shortly after the fire of Rome, that's when Paul was beheaded. Now this period of time after the Rome fire is known as the candlesticks of Christianity where Christians were burned alive after the Rome fire as torches. Nero's we read in scripture that Nero's stepfather, Emperor Claudius, previously had ordered all Jews expelled from Rome. He also ordered Jews not to hold meetings in the synagogues, kind of a shutdown of the churches, you could say, in a way. In a way, he, uh, he ordered them to leave. And the scripture tells us there was nobody from Jerusalem to go to Rome to argue his defense or accuse him that the uh, people were afraid to go there. So uh, Paul also writes in Acts 18, 1 and 2, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. This is before the arrest and found a certain Jew named Aquila born in Pontus lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and he came unto them. So the, there's a scripture that talks about the Jews fleeing Rome. And Nero was convicted of crimes in Abstinia and he was sentenced to death. He fled Rome and went into hiding and Nero committed suicide in AD 68. So um, we owe a lot to the Apostle Paul. He gave us many of the scriptures that read about the resurrection come from him. And uh, the hope of the resurrection is not a new doctrine. I'd like to read to you the words of Job, which tells us about his faith in the resurrection. resurrection. Uh, Job writes, Oh, that my words were now written, Oh, that they were printed in the book, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. For I know my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And, th and through my, after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Though my reins be consumed within me, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed with me. So we see Job 4,000 years earlier, or about 4,000 years ago, had a belief in the resurrection. We owe much to the Apostle Paul for the, for the furtherance of the gospel, and, and we should be uh, pressed by the Spirit this year, that, that his will be done at Spring Meadow Baptist Church in 2021. So I'd like to thank you for being here tonight, and let's have a word of prayer. Mm -hmm.